0: Hey, how about y'all grab a seat, special welcome to those of you with us for the first time this morning, Uh, welcome to Palm Sunday, Uh, you can fetch your own olive branch on the way out, we won't mind, Um, and uh, we're glad you're here, we certainly uh, do everything as a church with you, first time guests, as our number one priority, and uh, we pray that this time that we spend, and you'll be done by 11, okay, so put your watch away, 11, you already know the answer. And uh, let's just—well, that's probably fake news some Sundays. But this, uh, you will probably recognize, is what we these days call a smartphone. Now, smartphones were kind of released. Uh, whether you think that Apple was the first, they probably weren't. But let's just say Apple released their version of the smartphone called the iPhone. Not yet, please. Uh, back it up, Zodwa. Good girl. <laughs> their version of the, of the smartphone in 2007 with the iPhone, and since then, it has become a very crowded marketplace. So I, Apple are still very much in the mix. Uh, Scamsung came along and copied them, so they entered the, uh, the uh, sphere. Google are a recent entrance with their Pixel phones. Uh, let me think, who else? Sony, uh, no one buys theirs. Uh, LG, uh, Oppo, uh, Huawei, um, which, uh, thank you, I pronounced that correctly, you're welcome. Um, and the list goes on, Xiaomi, if you're in uh, sort of more Asian countries, and, and the list goes on and the, and the number of competitors come in. And the problem with the, having a crowded marketplace is you as a manufacturer, you as a, a seller of these devices, you have to differentiate yourself. Why would someone buy your branded phone and not buy the other branded phone? And so companies with their particular phones, they're trying to differentiate themselves on screens, the size of the screen, the, the sharpness of the display of the screen, ours is better than theirs, it's got more pixels, it's brighter, it's got 4K resolution, whatever it is. That's a thing. Um, They might try to differentiate themselves on design, although these days they kind of all start to look a little uh, bit the same. They might even uh, try to differentiate themselves on battery, battery life. And uh, if you're one of those irresponsible people that occasionally lets your battery run to zero and have to borrow your friend's phone to make calls, and you know who you are, Then the good news, and you may have missed it, is that at the Mobile World Congress in February, the Energizer, the EverReady Energizer company, released a phone, and this is it. It's called the EverReady. That's it on the left. This is a regular phone. This is the EverReady phone. It's a real thing called the Energizer PowerMax. The Energizer PowerMax has five times the battery storage capacity of the leading Samsung phones. So if that's you, you're welcome. I've just solved your problem. You thought Energizer just makes batteries. Well, they do, but now they've decided to attach a phone to one, and uh, you'll be able to get that very shortly. But here's the thing. Batteries are an issue. Question, how many of you charge your smartphone every night? Put it on some sort of charger? Okay. Now, look, I appreciate why you do that. I'm aware that most of you probably do that so that the following day you don't end up out of juice at some point in the day, so good, good job, good job. Some people will also do it, they keep their phone charged overnight regularly to actually prolong the, the life of the battery, that this phone's gonna last me a while, it's gonna keep uh, you know, performing as far as its battery storage goes. The problem is that actually doesn't work. In fact, if you charge your phone every single night, you actually create what the manufacturers call a false memory. Your battery doesn't actually experience ever being empty, or, or, or if it does, it's so rare that your battery starts to, to actually reset some of its internals, it creates a false memory. And so what you're doing, if you charge it every night, having not actually drained it and emptied it during the day, you're actually reducing the capacity of your battery. And that's going to explain to you why you think, man, this battery doesn't last as long as it did when I bought this phone two years ago. Yeah, because you charged it every night, thinking you were doing the right thing, without having emptied it the day before. And unfortunately, this is how a lot of people live. A lot of people are so uh, terrified of running out, terrified of, of coming up short, that we stay on the charger, we stay in our comfort zones, we never actually allow ourselves to be emptied, to actually give so much of ourselves that we run the risk of remaining empty, but what we do in the process is we create a false memory. Our heart starts to understand that the new normal is actually very risk-free. The new normal is actually very safe. The new normal doesn't actually require us to have much charge in us in the first place because we're not actually going to discharge. We're not actually going to empty ourselves. That is not the life that Jesus promised for us, and that's not the pathway to the life that Jesus promised us. And I want to take us this morning to a prayer, a prayer that Paul, who was one of the kind of big wigs of the early church, it's a prayer that he wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus. If you've got our app Elevate app, you can tap that on your smartphone if you charged it last night. Uh, you can tap the Bible tile in the bottom left. And it's gonna take you to this slice. It was a whole letter that Paul wrote to the church in a, in a, in a, in a port city in what's now called Turkey, uh, called Ephesus. And he wrote this letter to that church. And this, I just wanna drop us into a slice of that letter. It's very early on and it's actually, it's actually a prayer. Paul wrote a prayer to them and it was really a prayer that the big idea that Paul wanted to get across to them is that Jesus has a fullness of life that's available to you. And I wanna, I wanna highlight that. I wanna show you what that looks like. I wanna remind you of that. Read this in this letter and get focused on that. And I'm gonna start actually from the end of the prayer and then I'll kind of circle and loop and do all sorts of clever things. Verse 23, the last slice of the prayer, Paul writes, The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Now, 21st century Western society is considered to be the most individualistic culture, individualistic society that that, that the world has ever seen. And you and I live in that. And we get told that if you need other people to get through life, then you must be weak. We're told we have to make it by ourselves. We have to forge our own path. We have to show people how impressive we are. And we have to do it in our own strength, in our own way. And yet Paul is saying the exact opposite. Is true, if you want to experience the fullness of God's presence and the fullness of His life, we say regularly, You can follow Jesus for yourself. In fact, you need to follow Jesus for yourself. It's not, it's not enough that your parents were Christians or your grandparents. Every one of us has to, at some point in our life, decide whether we're going to have a personal relationship with him. So we need to follow Jesus for ourselves, but I don't believe we can follow Jesus by ourselves. In fact, not not effectively anyway. And in fact, that's never been God's plan. God's plan for you and I to follow Jesus is to do it in the context of community. He calls it the church. He says that the church is actually the place that he speaks and acts. The church is the place that he fills with his presence. So if you want to follow Jesus for yourself and by yourself, here's the guarantee you are going to come up frustrated and short time and time again because God's plan, God's plan for us to experience his fullness is to do it in the context of community, even the introverts. We have a thing called elevate groups because here's one thing we've noticed. Now, you're all sitting in rows. You're looking at two things, you're looking at me and the back of the head of the person in front of you. One thing I've observed that is that it is possible, having studied some of our CCTV footage, it is possible, and some of you pull this off, to actually sneak in here, hang out, and then sneak back out without having to actually engage with a human. Here's a few of the tricks, here's a few of the pro moves. Uh, number one, turn up at 10.01, okay? not, not Never before 10, 10.01, because that's, by that stage, lights are a bit dark, the music's happening, so you can just kind of scooch in. Secondly, look for a place where there's actually a, at least a one-seat gap, that you're going to be able to uh, take a seat, put some stuff on the seat next to you, like you always wish you could do on the airplane, and then, and then the, best, the worst thing that can happen is a stranger's going to sit two seats away from you. And then wait until the very last thing we do, which you've observed because you're smart, because you've got this down. The last thing we do every Sunday is announce the coffee of the day. As soon as that coffee slide comes up, you're out. You're like, I don't need the free coffee. I'm gonna go buy it from the barista who, who, who I, 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 I won't talk to him either. You can do that. In fact, you can do that for weeks and months, but that's not actually God's design for you and I to experience the fullness of life that Jesus promises So we have a thing called Elevate Groups. We have a thing called Elevate Groups where instead of sitting in rows looking at the back of people's heads, we actually gather in uh, lounge rooms, coffee shops, et cetera, where we can actually do life face-to-face. We can actually do life together. And I wanna let you know that we're launching our Elevate Groups for 2019 in about three, four weeks' time. And we've actually got three new, in addition to some Elevate groups that were running last year, three new, brand new breakout first-time Elevate groups forming, including one that's going to be running during the daytime. So that's going to be something for maybe stay-at-home moms or what I know women to call you, domestic CEOs, I understand, Uh, people for whom evenings perhaps is a deal breaker. Uh, That's going to be an option. So stay tuned for those. But that might require some of you to actually step out of your comfort zone, think, I don't think I can sneak in and out of an Elevate group as easily as I sneak in and out of a Sunday morning. Well, no, you can't, but you're not meant to. So stay tuned for that. We're not meant to follow Jesus by ourselves. Then back it up, Paul's prayer. He wrote, Jesus is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. Man, that's some great news right there. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see, (laughs) here you go. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is actually peripheral to the church. Now, if you only read the first part of this, verse 22, it looks like Paul's bragging about Jesus, and he is. Jesus is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. He's at the center of it all, and he rules the church. So Jesus is a big deal. Jesus has got it going on. He has the final word, he's got the power, he's in charge, fantastic. Then Paul segues from that to know that actually, he's also bragging about you and I, that we get to be a part of this. We actually get to experience this. We don't have to look at someone from a distance who rules from a throne that we can never get near, but we can actually be part of that kingdom. Have access to all the benefits and the privileges of being part of that kingdom, that the fullness of life that Jesus promises is actually about him coming and giving it to us, but also for other people. Jesus' life comes to us and also is designed to go through us. In, in, in other words, we're, we, we're meant to actually empty ourselves. The only reason the battery was full in the first place is so that it could get used for the purpose which it was actually created for. And if we just stay on the charger and don't commit to emptying ourselves, then we're only understanding the bit that I love that Jesus fills me up. He says, yeah, I love it too. I designed it that way. Now, take that fullness and discharge it. Take that fullness and empty yourself. Be somebody who actually, in fact, this is the Easter thing. I say this every every few years. Don't be the sort of Christian that, Oh rant post coming up on Facebook. Whenever I see just the word rant post coming, it's delete. Like I don't even read it. Just like please. Rant to someone face to face. Don't rant on Facebook. It makes you look like an idiot. It makes it makes you look like a windjer, actually. All right. Speak life or just shut up. So here's the thing. That's my f- policy. Do what you like. <laughs> hey, but, what? Come on now. Really? You want to be known as a windjer? Oh gosh. That person's name popped in Facebook. Probably you're going to whinge again. Anyway, I digress. But here's the thing. Every now and then, people start whinging in January because the supermarkets have put hot crust buns out. Listen, first of all, who cares? Jesus didn't die on a hot crust bun. He didn't die for a hot crust bun. He didn't die to save the hot crust buns. I don't think he even tasted a hot crust bun. So just forget about the hot cross buns. Spend your time not whinging about hot cross buns and all the things that people who don't even believe in Jesus should care about because they don't, and nor should you. Hot cross buns, vote with your wallet. Don't buy them until Palm Sunday if that's what spins your propellers. Any case. But instead... Instead be known as this person. See, here's the thing. You know what? People that don't follow Jesus, they don't care about the same things that you care about. But, but nor should they. So what if Jesus said it? If you're not know someone who follows him, irrelevant, Right? And what, what we do when we start majoring on the minors is we start flipping this very thing around the wrong way that Paul's trying to get to us. He says, hey, you, don't mind, you might not be experiencing this yet, but you need to understand God's best is that the church isn't peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. So instead of whinging and focusing on the minor stuff, let's start building influence with people. Let's start speaking life into people. Let's start loving people in a way that they look at you. Let's start responding to situations in a way where the people around you, the friends, the family, the colleagues, the fellow students, they go, man, there's something different about you. And they mean good different, not bad different, not weird different, not depressing different, not everyone gossiping different. No, they mean good different. What is it? You say, I'm actually part of the church. They're like, What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Because this is not only the stuff that some people in the church don't understand. This is very much something that people who aren't part of the church don't understand because we've lost our relevance. We've lost our relevance because we spend time focusing on the stuff that don't matter. So let's get back to the stuff that does matter. And by the way, we've got Easter coming up next week. If you've been doing this investing and inviting, if you've been building a platform of trust, building a platform of credibility, then one of your friends and family and colleagues and fellow students, they might actually say yes to coming along because they've seen there's something different about you and they might want to get a little bit of a look behind the curtain. And by you inviting them, it gives them an opportunity to think, man, maybe not all churches are the same and maybe not all Christians are the same. Good, different. Aldi, good, different. So Paul starts this prayer. Let me go right back to this verse 18. He starts, I ask, this is the start of the prayer. I ask God, the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent. <laughs> that's a prayer some of you have prayed for people you know. <laughs> to make you intelligent. Some of you are still waiting for them, that prayer to be answered. And discerning in knowing him personally with your eyes focused and clear. That's a great prayer. So that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. That you can grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life Jesus has for his followers. I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, Paul didn't pray that people would receive a calling. He assumed that you already have. And he didn't pray that you would have access to the immensity of the glorious way of life Jesus has for his followers. His prayer was that you would see it, that you would see that you have access, that you would see that this promise lies before you. It's a prayer of revelation. It's a prayer about clarity. The promises are already there. The calling's already there. The immensity of life's already there waiting for us. We need to see it, and we need to grasp it. Now, I'm an introvert, and uh, one of my survival mechanisms in this always on world is I do not have my phone surgically attached to me. Some of you do, I know. But I do not have my phone surgically attached to me. There are times in the day and days in the week where my phone is somewhere that I'm not. And that bothers some people. They're like, you didn't answer when I called. I'm like, yeah, because I was down playing with my chickens. Because they're cool. I was in the garden. I don't need my phone to garden. But I do have a VIP list. The iPhone, I don't know about the, other, the, the Android software, but they have a, an option for a VIP list. So I have a VIP list. Louie, my wife, she's on my VIP list. Uh, our team leaders are on my VIP list. My mom is on my VIP list. And I now have a, a watch that actually tells me when somebody on my VIP list is actually texting or phoning. So when somebody on my VIP list phones or texts, I actually sprint, drop what I'm doing, I sprint to find my phone so I can actually respond to them. Because they're on my VIP list for a reason, and I wanna make sure that I'm doing what I can in return to serve them well. And i respond to them ASIP. And, and chances are you have a, a, something of a VIP list as well. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe not. Maybe it's your kids. Uh, people that, you know, when they phone, when they text, you, you answer them. But have you ever noticed Despite you having a VIP list, have you ever noticed it doesn't always cut both ways? Because I will always now, always now, always, text Louie back as soon as practical or phone her back as soon as practical. She won't even leave a voicemail anymore. I just see miss call and it's assumed that I'll phone her back and I will. But it doesn't cut both ways. I can send Louie a text on occasions And by the way, when you send from an iPhone, you send and you click send, then it actually, the word pops up delivered. So you're not even wondering whether they got it. So I'll send Louie a text occasionally and two days will go by and she will have ghosted me for the entire two days and I say to her, babe, by the way, knowing that she did, did you get that text I sent you? She's like, yeah. Why? I'm like, Because you didn't respond. (laughs) What's interesting is this is exactly how some people interact with God. We want God to be picking the phone up the second we dial his number and answering and giving us what we ask for in that very moment. As soon as we sometimes prefer to let his calls to us go to voicemail, so that we can listen and decide what we're gonna do with that. We want God to be, we want to be on his VIP list, but we don't always give him that same access when he calls us. The problem is by blocking God, you're actually blocking you from the life that he has. And actually by blocking God, you're actually blocking others from the life that God wants to give to others. Through you. So you might think that you're staying in your comfort zone, staying on the charger, don't want to drain the battery by answering calls. Hey, hey Siri. Oh, well, we did figure out what happened that Sunday. And then Paul finishes this particular slice. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Paul doesn't say that this glorious way of life is on offer to believers. He says it's on offer to followers. There is a difference between being a believer and being a follower. Jesus does ask us to believe in him, does ask us to believe that he's the son of God, does ask us to believe that he is who he says he is and he says, come follow me. In fact, he says, believing's not enough because even the devil and his demons believe in me. They believe I'm the son of God. That's why they're out to stop you from being a follower because they actually know who I am. They they believe, but they don't follow. You ever uh, been on driving your car down the freeway and everything's flowing so nicely it's speed limits 80 and everyone's doing 80 just like they're meant to. In all the lanes, and, and then all of a sudden, and you don't know why, everything comes to a stop. And you're stuck there. You can't think, you can't figure it out. Isn't that frustrating? And yet, as frustrating as it is that you're stuck on a freeway in a vehicle that was designed to be able to go the speed limit, both the the freeway and the vehicle, and we get frustrated when we can't that some people, they actually, that's their relationship with Jesus. They decided to believe in him, and in that moment, they got in the car, got on the freeway, pointed it in the right direction, the direction of Jesus, said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, but then just stayed stuck in that same place and haven't got frustrated because they've thought the end game is believing, but Jesus says, "No, no, I'm calling you to follow me. In fact, not just calling you to follow me. I'm telling you that the the immensity of a glorious way of life is available to you, but it's available to you only if and as and when you follow me." So we're all about next steps here. We're all about following. We're all about moving, not getting stuck. We're all about progress. We're all about laying a hold of these things that Paul said we actually already have, a calling and a promise of a glorious way of life. A couple of years ago, Louie and I were looking to sell our house and and buy another house. And uh, so we called up a real estate agent, one of the leading agents in our area, who I happen to have been friends with some 23 years previous, but hadn't seen her in that time. Her name's Karen. And Karen uh, pulled up to her driveway and came to the front door. And she said this to me as I opened the door, Mark, 23 years later, Mark, you haven't changed a bit. Now, if I was a cynic, knowing that she's coming there with the potential of getting our business as a real estate agent, I would think to myself, she probably says that to everybody, and obviously not true. But I thought to myself, oh, that's nice. 23 years later, you haven't changed a bit. (laughs) But if Jesus ever says that to you, it's not a compliment. Ah, oh, Freddie, haven't seen you since you started believing in me. You haven't changed a bit. Hey, man, I'm not just up here to stroke you. Oh, the utter extravagance of your... Sorry, not, not, nothing ruptured. Oh! oh. I'm getting to the age where if Jesus calls me to kneel down on the stage, it's kind of been potentially a life or death situation. I may, I may never get back up, so uh, that one's going to voicemail. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work, utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death. Pugh, really? Really? Let's talk about that next Sunday. And set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of the running of the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. This power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and to me as followers of Jesus. It's pretty cool, huh? Boundless energy, strength, life, Available to us. Louis, my wife, has a car, a Volkswagen uh, Polo. Little itty-bitty white thing. We call it the Nunmobile, And um, only because she thinks it's only her and nuns that drive them. But anyway. She wanted black. I told her that white has a better resale. One of the few times she let me decide. I do wear the pants in our relationship that... The problem is she tells me which pants to wear. So she has a Volkswagen. Now Volks, VW have a proprietary technology called Blue Motion. Now here's one of the things advantages of Blue Motion. It's designed. It's a big idea. I'm not going to get all teched out. I don't think I fully understand it myself. But the kind of the big idea is, just, is to conserve you fuel, conserve you energy. So one of the things that it can do is when you pull up to a stop. So you got the engine running. You pull up, stop, red light, or uh, just you know whatever it is. You pull up to the side to to take a phone call, whatever it is. When you do that, you can actually. She has a manual, which is a modern day anti theft device. She has a manual and. And uh, you can pop that manual into neutral, and when you do, the engine actually shuts down. No more energy is going to that engine whilst you're stopped. But doesn't that just make sense? Because you don't need energy when you're not moving. And some people I've observed, having been a professional Christian for over 20 years of my life, having been a follower of Jesus since 24, I've observed And I've heard people winch that they've never experienced this sort of power coming from Jesus into their life. And I have to find myself wondering, and sometimes I even verbally ask the question, are you moving? Because if you're not moving, you don't need the energy. Maybe the reason that Jesus hasn't actually poured that energy into you is you're just parked. So this idea of moving, this idea of getting out of our comfort zone, this idea of, 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 of getting off the charger and actually putting this thing into play, into motion, into the very things that we're called to do, maybe, just maybe, that's the actual access pathway for us to experience this life that Jesus promised, this power that Jesus promised, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But you don't need it if you don't need it. Speaking of cars, and I'm not much of a car guy, which is plainly obvious when you discover I don't own a car. But, spe- but if I did own a car, or if sometime this year you felt Jesus say to you that you should buy Mark a car, um, this is the one that I, that I want to get, or want you to, that I want to get you to get me. It's a Tesla Model S. Now, this Tesla Model S is the fastest electric car in the world, on the market. It can travel from zero to 100 kilometers an hour in 2.6 seconds. That's moving. What you may not know is this Tesla has three acceleration modes. Acceleration mode number one is called chill. And you can set your acceleration mode to chill And what chill kind of looks like, how that kind of plays out, if you're next to me at a a set of traffic lights that are red and I'm on my 49cc Vespa and you've got your Tesla, the fastest electric car in the world, on chill mode, I will actually drag you at those traffic lights if you're on chill mode. You might as well be driving a Prius at this moment, all right? (laughs) Everyone feels very sorry for you. Beyond chill mode, they have sport mode. Now, sport mode is when things get a little bit spicy. Oh, yeah. so you can set it on sport mode and, you know, when you, okay, I'm not going to be able to drag you off at this point. You've got me. That's fine. I get it. Sport mode beats Vespa mode, single only 49cc mode. But then there's a third mode. The third mode is called ludicrous mode. And it's only in ludicrous mode that you get to experience what it's like going from zero to 100 in 2.9 seconds. And I wonder if too many people who claim to be followers of Jesus and have access to this sort of power live their lives in chill mode. Because in chill mode, it's pretty safe. In chill mode you're gonna always be in control. Nothing really bad's gonna happen. You might get arrested for going too slow. Someone toots you from behind. Idiot, don't you know that car's the fastest electric car in the world? Sorry, mate. One of the people from my church bought it for me. I asked for a Prius, but they got me this. So, I, and I, It's in chill mode. I haven't been able to figure out how to put it into ludicrous mode yet. Because the thing is that Tesla made this with enough power to be the fastest electric car in the world, and yet they leave it up to you to choose whether you wanna drive it in chill mode or sports mode or ludicrous mode. Jesus offers life and power, the same power that raised him from the dead, and yet leaves it up to us to whether we're gonna live our lives in chill mode or sports mode. or ludicrous mode. The power's on offer, but the choice is ours. And if we wanna live safe, comfortable, controlled lives, we can. We're probably gonna to go to heaven. I mean, Jesus did say you're gonna to go to heaven if you believe in him. Problem is, you won't experience the sort of life that he has for you on this earth. Eternity starts now, people. The real life that Jesus promised isn't waiting for us after we popped our clogs. It's actually available to us now. But we have to choose to set our life in ludicrous mode, to be willing, to actually feel the exhilaration of being out of control sometimes. Well, not totally out of control. Someone in the other lane. In Easter, as we lead up, and prepare our hearts for Easter, if we needed somebody to remind us of what it looks like to enter into the fullness of God's life, it's Jesus. Someone to show us what the pathway looked like, it was Jesus, because actually, Jesus only experienced the resurrection life for himself, fully human and fully God whilst on this planet, because he was prepared to fully empty himself. And he did that for you and he did that for me so we can have access to that same life and yet we access it by regularly emptying ourselves, trusting that he will be the one that fills us. This morning I wanna give you an opportunity if you've never actually made a decision to put your trust in Jesus, to say that yes, Jesus, I believe you, Uh, who you say you are, I believe that you are the son of God, I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to him, to actually start that journey. That starts with belief. It has to venture into following, though it starts with belief. If you've never actually said yes, Jesus, I will put my faith in you. I'll put my trust in you. I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. All I want you to do is put your hand up. Say, today, that's the choice. That's the decision I'm making. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then I'm going to pray for you from up here. So if you've never made that decision, say, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. How about you make that decision right here, right now, and I'll pray for you where you're sitting. Okay, before Jared comes up, let me do one thing. Let's let's us do one thing. It's Easter next Sunday. I know you know that. Easter is probably the second time of the year that your friends and family, and colleagues, and fellow students are more likely to say yes to an invite to a church context. And uh, next Sunday, we're we're gearing things up. We're not gonna do a big flashy show. I don't don't know that's kind of our shtick. Uh, We're a bit more of a uh, how than wow kind of church. Um, I I like a bit of wow. I'm just not very impressive. Um, So I leave that to someone else. But next week, uh, I want us to pray now. And I want you to think about who it is that you're going to invite. And Jared's going to even tell you some clever ways that Mark Zuckerberg has made it easy for us to invite people. Uh, think about who that is. And, and you've got seven days. And it, it, you probably have, some of you have invited people already. Some of you have got some names already. Just think a name or some names, friends, family, colleagues. And some of them are going to say no. It's all right as they say in the vegetable gardening world, grow a pear and move on. Let's think about that. Yeah, I tell you, boy, was, I think I need to put my batteries back on the charger, right? there. thing's getting pretty out of control. I'm starting, starting to preach in ludicrous mode right now. Think about that person or those people right now. God, we thank you for those people. We thank you that you died for them, that you rose for them, not just for us. You didn't just come for church people. You came for everybody. God, use us in these next seven days. Put the names on their hearts and give us that, that passion and that sense of urgency, God, that's gonna see us. Uh, just extend the invite. Whether they say yes, that's gonna be more about you and them than it is about us and them, of, although hopefully we've built that platform of trust and credibility. God, that, that this is gonna be a place that next Sunday people will be exposed to the truth of your love and your power, and your life that's available to them that they may not have even known before or may not have seen it before. We thank you, God, that your house will be full and that churches right across our city, our nation, and the nations will be full to be able to communicate the life, the resurrection power that you have available to them. In Jesus' name, amen.